welcome to this Sunday's edition under review right here on VIC with Jeremy Goldstein, Kyle DeSantis, Ethan Burch, and Clay Davis are out today. However, we have some really good shows in in preparation for you guys today. Kyle, how are you today? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I know that at least for the, the segment of the show or for the segments of shows in the fall semester – going to have this week next week it's fall break so it's going to be off and i'm looking forward to just ending off on a good note so far for this first half of the semester to continue on yeah well thankfully we do have a show this morning before our our awaited break and there's a lot of lots to discuss and i think despite it being a bit of a sensitive topic for me because you know the yankees are not playing there's a lot going on in the baseball playoffs that are heating up in the first round. So let's go over what happened in Wild Card Weekend. Obviously, the Red Sox defeated the Yankees. We have the Dodgers walking off the Cardinals to barely escape out of that game. But let's start with the American League because I know in last week's show, uh, Clay and I were talking about how we like the White Sox and their chances to go far. And you really weren't so sure. And right now you're looking like the smart one. Okay, so... I feel like the AL Central as a whole division is just weak. They haven't done anything in the postseason since 2015-16 when the Royals obviously beat the Mets. And again, again, Ethan Birch isn't here, but also it's the Mets. And 2016, the Indians were up 3-1 on the Cubs. Mm -hmm. We all know what happened. The Cubs won. And I feel like, again, where when it comes to the AL Central teams making the playoffs, there's really only, like, the only team that really stands out is the team on the top of the division. And that's been the same thing with Cleveland, when it's been with Minnesota. They are the one team that stands out, and the competition around them never really stands up to, let's say, an AL East or an AL West. And, again, this might be a hot take because I was talking about the Royals in 2015. If you think about it, you can make the argument that the best team that has come out of the AL Central was the 05 White Sox when they won the World yeah. Series. Yeah, and looking back at it, I believe the White Sox won about 93 games. And while that's definitely very good and will get into the playoffs pretty much every season, it has to be considered the teams that the White Sox played and the fact that it probably, even though it wasn't close, it was still closer than it probably should have been, especially considering... Tigers, Cleveland struggled. Royals were a bad team this season, aside from Salvador Perez. So there's a, so there's a lot to kind of think about, especially because you have the White Sox, who I I felt like had a the roster that was really deep and prepped for the playoffs, but they're playing tonight for their lives. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And I think that the, the starting pitching for the White Sox, they really need to stand up. Obviously, in Game One they had Lance Lynn, in Game Two they had pitching for them it, for at least looking at game was two. Was it Rodon? I'm trying to check here, actually. And g- game, game two was Lucas Giolito. And was it Rodon today, then? That, that That's something to check on. And I will check the, main, on. the main thing I want to point out is for— it's, in, it's, in, No, it's Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease. And in, in the two games, this series, obviously— Boy, the Sox are down two to nothing. They've been outscored fifteen to five, and the starters have given up nine of those runs. And that's the thing where where Dylan Cease, it's a big day for him because he has to kind of switch the momentum. He's got to get the team on the right foot. He he can't give up a lot of runs. And really, also for the offense, the the main thing here is the offense has to. It's kind of a cliche. Offense has to score more, and the pitching has to limit the runs. Yeah, absolutely. And look at what happened. The White Sox actually got off to quite a good start in in their that game. They they did have a lead, but now they have. It's the bullpen that kind of didn't that wasn't able to do the job in that one. If you look at the box score, Giolito was fine. He went four and a third, four runs. Definitely not the start you want, though. Then you have Aaron Bummer, who gave up three runs. Craig Kimbrell as well. Inning. And Kimbrell gave up the two-run home run to Kyle Tucker. So that's also very problematic. Despite what happens with Giolito, your team had a lead, and you're supposed to go to a bullpen who is Aaron Bummer, Michael Kopech, Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell, and they weren't able to do the job. And they traded for Ryan Tapera as well, and you have Garrett Crochet. So this is what I, what I would have been – This I would have considered this bullpen the best, honestly, in the league at, the, at one point. But they have not been playing like it, and you got to give credit to, as much as they don't like to, you got to give credit to the Astros because they've played a really good all-around couple of games, 
and are all away from the ALD, ALCS again. Yeah, Kyle Tucker again two for four. He had the the home run, three RBIs. The whole middle to the end of that Houston lineup, they had Alvarez, Guriel, Correa, Tucker, and Chas McCormick. They all drove in runs. Mm-hmm. So it, it it wasn't even your your top three guys because they had Altuve, Brantley, and Bregman. They they didn't even they didn't play. They like they still showed up, but they didn't play as good as they could be. And having that middle of the lineup for Houston, where they're scoring all the runs, that's really big, considering when you got Altuve, Brantley, and Bregman. If they start heating up, then Houston's just a monster to deal with. And it's crazy to think about this. The Astros are one away from their fifth straight ALCS appearance, I believe, because in 2017 they beat the Yankees. 2017. 2018 they lost to the Red Sox. 2019 they beat the Yankees. 2020 they lost to the Rays. That would be five in a row. So, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, 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 it's crazy. You never really thought that. Obviously, with Houston, for so long, they weren't really taken as a credible threat. They they weren't even taken seriously. And now, again, one win away, nine innings away from being their fifth straight ALCS. They, they've switched completely when it comes to where their outlook is as a franchise. Yeah, and as, as much as I do despise them, and they cheated— Whatever you want to say, post-scandal, they've won games. And that you have to respect that because there's a lot of adversity up against those teams mm-hmm. facing a lot of pressure, and they've gotten stuff done. But let's go to – we still got a, lot of, a good amount of baseball. It was just one game. Yeah, and that's the thing for – or also for the rest of the playoffs, mm-hmm. everything's looking interesting. It's Again, this is the only series where it's Houston and Chicago where – a team is up two to nothing. All the other, all the yeah. other series are one-one ties. So we still have a bunch to talk about. Let's talk about Boston and Tampa because game one, Tampa Bay seemingly routed the Red Sox. And going into game two, again, I do a lot of Red Sox fans who were not confident in this game. The Rays just looked like once they went to the playoffs, you couldn't stop them. If you, if you, if you, even if you could, could have been regular season. But let's go through a bit of a timeline here. So first inning, Boston takes a two to nothing lead, takes it, posts a tweet, or says, "Are you having fun in this first inning?" With a picture of Alex Verdugo celebrating, and the Rays go score five runs. Jordan Lupo hits a grand slam, and they respond, "Yes, we are." It, 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 so that was a pretty funny, fun, fun jab right there. But little did we know, the Rays would not be having fun the rest of the game. They would only score one more run on a G Man choice solo shot in the sixth. And they'd get two. In, the Red Sox would get two in the third, four in the fifth, one in the seventh, two in the eighth, three in the ninth, and win the game fourteen to six to tie the series up at one. Kyle, what are your thoughts on the series thus far, and ultimately, who do you have winning it? Well, this actually coming out of the wild card, you knew Boston was going to be big, and I feel like coming into the series, a lot of people kind of saw Tampa as just the powerhouse that they were going to continue on. And, again, it looked like that in game one where they won 5 to nothing. But mm-hmm. in that game, Boston had nine hits. They just didn't score any runs. Right. In the second game when they won 14-6, to six, they had 20 hits as a team. They've had 29 hits in two games. Right. That that's games. That is insane. And also for when it comes to who was going off for – Boston, it was uh, Kike Hernandez. He had he went five for six. He got Devers again, two RBIs. Bogarts, Verdugo yeah, Kike. had two RBIs. J.D. Martinez went four for five. That That's a big bat that Boston needed back in the lineup. He showed up as right? well. Right, especially because he did not have the best regular season. And I'll admit it, Kike Hernandez, man, was really a good signing for that Boston team. A utility infielder, somebody who could hit for a little bit of power, get on base. So props to them for that. The one area of concern, though, that the Red Sox provide me with, and again, this is non-bias. They signed Jose Iglesias like mid, early mid-September to be the second baseman, but he could not make the postseason roster because it was too late. The Angels released him at a time where you couldn't sign him and have him on your your roster for the rest of the, the, the postseason or whatever it might maybe. Yeah. So they've slotted in Christian Arroyo over at second, who had who spent some time on the injured list this year, trying to play first base, and he went over five. So he was like one of the, he was pretty much the only. Red Sox did not have a, a slight contribution to the party of runs, and that's the thing. In in since the wild card game, Arroyo is a combined two for eleven, so that that's at least the start of. So he had a couple. Hit, so he, did he have a couple hits in game one? Yeah, he went two for. Okay. he had a couple hits in game one. So he, they, they'll be fine. But but Kyle, so we got two games coming up in Boston. 
Boston can win if if they win out in Fenway, they win the series. Do you see the Red Sox taking it? I, I feel like it's again, it's a possibility. And the thing is with the Red Sox is and this is the same thing with the wild card game. They really don't have anything to lose because coming into the year, no one really saw them as a competitive team. A lot of them a lot of people said, Oh, they're gonna be in fourth place. Again, they made the wild card. They beat the Yankees. It was they had it they again the regular season they had was great. That first half was phenomenal. They host a wild card game against the New York Yankees. They beat them six to two. And and that's the thing. One thing I also want to talk about is when it comes to the Yankees and Red Sox, the Red Sox have pretty much owned the Yankees the last few times in the postseason. Really? Really? Okay. Pretty much since like honestly, since two thousand seven, whenever those two teams have matched up in the postseason, yeah. Boston's take they've taken the games. I'll tell you this. The matchup today is Drew Rasmussen against Nate Yavaldi. If we if we get the Red Sox Yavaldi from the wild card game, or at least lack thereof, I think they'll have a a good chance to win. But the but the Rays are so good at just taking a group of pitchers that is not consistent there, yes, and and just making and, and getting nine innings out of them. And that is something that I think, especially including the Yankees, a lot of teams fault with as they try to replicate it, but they mm-hmm. just can't. That's the way. That's the Rays' way of playing baseball, and, and that, that's that's how they beat you. So it'll be pretty crazy. To see. I have a hot take here. I think the winner of this game takes the series. Again, it, with a five-game set like this, when you're up two to one, there's a lot of pressure that goes yeah. on to the other team. Yeah, especially with the pitching that these teams have, and the the offensive capabilities to go off at any time. I just think that the winners gonna in the series is gonna have too much momentum. I don't know if any of these teams are gonna lose two in a row. That's the thing. That's the thing. And and I feel like also that if he, if Ivaldi shows up again for Boston, I feel like that could be a bit of a bitch a pitcher's duel with him and Rasmussen because in his last three games Rasmussen was three and zero in in seven starts with an ERA one point three six. If he continues that into the playoffs we could very well have a low scoring game which again there really hasn't been in this series because no. 5 to nothing and 14 to 6. Yeah and you know what let's go to the American League. Why don't we transition to the National League and we'll talk about these couple of games and we'll go to a break and then we'll finish the final half with some football. Let's go Brewers Braves. Going back to my bracket that I made obviously it's busted I had the Yankees winning the World Series cuz I had to. <laughs> I had the I have the Brewers making that World Series spot in the National League. I just I, I really liked the way they're built. Corbin Burns was really good in Game One, and Brandon Woodruff was not awful in Game Two. But the 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 problem in these two games for both sides really obviously the Braves were fine. They won three to nothing. There's not been a lot of run scoring. We see on the Brave side. It was Charlie Morton who was pretty dominant for most of Game 1 before allowing a two-run shot to Rowdy Tolez, I believe the seventh inning of that game. And then Jack Peterson homered to make it. So that was 2-1 to one in that one. Mm-hmm. And then 3 nothing Braves here. So do you think pitching is going to carry the rest of the series? I think it is. And honestly, when you have the good pitching that both these teams have, if teams have, it all comes down to one mistake. And again, like game one, the only mistake was the, the, the curveball that Morton threw to Telez and he had the two-run shot. Mm-hmm. So pitching, it has been the start for the story. There's only been a combined of five. It's only been six total runs between two games. And it's the complete opposite of the Red Sox-Rays series where there's been 25. So pitching has been the catalyst for this series. And it's looking like it's going to continue that way. Well, for game three... Atlanta announced that Ian Anderson will be their starter. We have not gotten a word on who's going to go for the Brewers. I'm going to assume it's Freddie Garcia, but I'm I, or Freddie Garcia. He's long retired. Yeah. Freddie Freddie Peralta, <laughs> he, the, the All Star. No, Freddie Garcia is not coming out of retirement to pitch. Sorry. Uh, so this might be another case where if the, well the Braves have these next two at home, if the Braves win this game. I, I think it'd be a little dangerous to predict them predict them to not close it out at home, but also I think the Brewers are just a deep team who plays hard and mm-hmm. they're gritty. They like to win. Yeah, I, I agree. It could go. I feel like again with a one-one series, anything could really happen. I know for Ian Anderson in the postseason or his his career in the postseason, he's had four starts and he's, his ERA is combined under one. Mm-hmm. So that that's someone for. If you're Atlanta and you want to have someone start in front of your home crowd when you're in a pivotal matchup, he's the guy you go to. Yeah. 
again, the pitching is it's going to be the, the be-all, end-all in this series. So before we transition to our last game, who is one offensive player on each side that you want to see become part of a vocal point in the series? I, I can start if you want. Is this for, this for Brave Brewers? Yeah. All right. Trying to. I'll get. You can start. I'm looking at. Yeah, the, I'm I'll looking at the rosters. For the Brewers, I really would like to see some some good play from Omar Narvaez, their their catcher. He was actually one of their breakout breakout guys who ended up producing some runs for them this year. I think he's a pesky hitter who can who might who might be a little bit under the Braves' radar in terms of that lineup. And then for the Braves themselves, I would like to see some bombs from Adam Duvall. He, look, look, the Braves acquired a lot of good hitters at the deadline, especially outfielders. They got Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, and Eddie Rosario. They pretty much rebranded their outfield when Inciarte and Acuna went down. They decided that Abraham Almonte was not going to be the guy, and I think that was probably a smart decision. Now they have a four-man outfield strictly off of guys they traded for, and it's working out. So Adam Duvall is the guy I'm going to highlight today. I, I I don't know if it'll be going against a righty and in Gar in Peralta, but it'll be I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what goes on. I feel like for the Brewers, someone to look out for who needs to kind of step up is Willie Adames, the former yeah, Ray. Yeah, good pick, good pick. And again, coming he got traded from Tampa into Milwaukee, and I remember he went on a tear. Yes, and he was struggling in Tampa Bay. He needed that change of of scenery, and it's probably valid because. He probably knew Wander Franco was coming up behind him, whether he liked it or not. So it was hard. And again, that's that's a that's my pick. And and pretty much for you could say anyone for either teams because the offenses really haven't shown up for for Atlanta. I'm gonna go with the power hitting Jorge Soler. Good one. Again, there's another guy where if he gets a ball that he could just crush 450 feet. Yeah. That could be a big difference. Jorge Soler, he's been leading off of them, which is pretty crazy. But another example of one of those guys who got traded out of a bad scenario in Kansas City. Not saying Kansas City is the only bad scenario, just a bad scenario in the form of the Royals and is hitting nukes here in, in Atlanta. So really good hitting from Soler. Let's go to, into our final game of the playoffs before we take a break and talk some football. This is going to be really fun. The Giants and Dodgers, and this is – Example or of two teams, both over a hundred wins. One, the Giants, despite the, Do- the Dodgers' trade deadline acquisitions and Scherzer and Trey Turner, they still a ton of wild card game. They were about up two to three, four games at the All Star break. Despite all the winning the Dodgers did, they finished the season up one. They held that lead in the division the entire way, which is super impressive, super difficult. And with a Giants team that doesn't have many superstars on it, you got to really give them props. Alex Woods going against Max Scherzer in Game 3 tomorrow, which is Monday, 9.37 p.m. As much as I respect the Giants, Kyle, I really have to say the Dodgers pull this out with Scherzer on the mound to try to go up 2-1. to one. Another thing you got to mention for Game 3 and Game 4, both of those games are going to be at Dodger Stadium. So... Yeah, that that Dodger crowd at home, you fully packed house. After that Chris Taylor walk off home run, the energy was kind of brilliant. It was really, it was really cool to watch. And again, it's kind of easy where you you can go for L.A. Considering again, they they came back from being shut out in Game One. They lost four to nothing. They had they had nine runs. They won Game Two nine to two. And really, the momentum is shifting over from McCovey Cove to the AT&T Park, I believe it's called. It's Oracle Park now. It's Oracle Park. It was AT&T Park before. Yeah, it's I went to Oracle. it was AT&T Park. It's a beautiful stadium, but we get some really deep dimensions to it as well. Yeah. Also, did you see that Scherzer interview after the Wild Card? Oh, my God. So funny. But, yeah, or- Oracle Park is completely different to Dodger Stadium, and Dodger Stadium has been host to so many playoff games these past couple of years. The atmosphere is going to be insane for San Francisco. I feel like their backs are more against the wall, but also for San Francisco, similar to the Red Sox, they really don't have anything to lose because the Giants, they weren't even expected to be in the playoffs. They weren't expected to win 100 wins, to or win 100 games, either. So the yeah. Dodgers have more pressure on them. That's a good. That's that's pretty. 
pretty valid point. If because if they lose to a, if you told them at the beginning of the season before every, anything started, your season's going to end to the San Francisco Giants in the NLDS. You're not going to win the division. They'd laugh, and so they they have to make their statement now. They're still the big bad Dodgers, and the Giants are don't belong there. That's that, that's what they gotta they gotta say and prove themselves. But I believe we are ready to take our our break here of the show. That was about. 25 minutes or so of baseball talk. When we get back, we will preview the entire slate of NFL games again. This is just the Jeremy and Kyle edition of Under Review. Last last time we had this, we walked out through the whole fleet of NFL games, had a great time doing it. So we'll do it again after the break. So stay with us. College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and the victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We have heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black lives matter. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. This is Under Review with Ethan Birch, Jeremy Goldstein, and Clayton Davis on VICradio.org. And welcome back to Under Review. Jeremy Goldstein, Kyle DeSantis on hand for this Sunday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. slot on here on the Sports Talk Sunday. With We just talked some baseball in the first half of the show. Switch to the gridiron now, Kyle. We got a nice, heat, nice, juicy slate of games here on this Sunday, and it's pretty much all day in about an hour. Excuse me, I've been about an hour. We have some London football beginning the first set of London football in a couple of years. Obviously, due to the pandemic, we didn't have it last season. We have it this year. Two straight weeks of it, starting with this week. Jets, Falcons, Kyle. This so what's. what's Preview both sides here. The Jets are coming off their first win of the season. It's the most comp- it's most competent Zach Wilson has looked so far. The defense had some really nice clutch stops at the end, including an overtime. And we have a Falcons team that started at 0-2, beat the Giants, and then their offense looked really good against a really tough Washington football team defense, but their the Atlanta defense couldn't hold up, and so they are now 1-3. and Kyle, London football, is there a team you like in this game, or do you think it's going to be a toss-up? I feel like if there if there is a team to like, and it's something I never thought I'd really say, mm-hmm. I would have to go with the Jets, because, again, for the Falcons, they're missing two of their top wide receivers. I know Calvin Ridley is not going to be there. And really, for the Jets, this is a game where if you don't win in this scenario, because in the history... Usually the Jets are the team where they don't have their best players playing. Mm-hmm. Now they're on the opposite side of that. The other team that they're playing in London, obviously, 9.30 a.m. start for East Coast time. They don't have their two best wide receivers. They still have Cordero Patterson. But I feel like Zach Wilson has to keep finding Corey Davis. He's got to continue yeah. the momentum. And mm-hmm. the Jets, I feel like this is must-win for them. Yeah, and it's crazy to think about how a game— where Derrick Henry, 33 carries for 157 yards and a touchdown. They were unable to come up with a victory. Tannehill was not amazing. He was he did, he did what he needed to do, essentially, though, but 290, with 298 yards and a touchdown. It's just some of those—what baffled me about that game, and I hate to be this Jets hater on air, but I feel like the Titans should have had that one. So many times they could have cut— <clears throat> So many times they could have clutched up and, and, and got that go-ahead score, but they kept having to settle for three. They did get that clutch stop at the one-yard line to push it into to keep OT going, but nonetheless, they, they were unable to come up with a win. I don't think the Jets are going to sustain this, though. 
I think you have a Falcons team who has they're going to play a certain style of offense. They're going to have a Mike. Da- they're going to have Mike Davis and Patterson. Obviously, yes, Ridley and Gage are out. But look, you have Mike Davis, who's a power runner, can really get you those chunk yards, and Cordero Patterson, who's so diverse on the offensive end, he can really do whatever whatever yeah. you need him to do. I think the Falcons make a statement here. The, the, Zach Wilson still has not looked particularly amazing. Just ran the football a lot. I like the Falcons in a slight edge. Again, this is a this is really a game where it, it's two teams that are one and three. It's not like you're not going to watch this game because the competition and who's playing. You're going to watch this game because it's in London and because of it's got that prime time early slot. So. Again, I feel like this this game could either go either way. I know I had the Jets thinking that this has to be a win for them. Jeremy had the Falcons. It, it it's it's an interesting matchup, and I know for next week with the London games, it's not necessarily the best matchup as well. It's between Jacksonville and Miami, so that's also going to be interesting to look for. When we get to next week, I'm keeping track of our of who we're picking this week. I'm just I'm just letting you know. I think it'll be a a fun a fun little thing here. Um, next game, Lions and the Vikings. We're back at the one o'clock slot now. So after you get your early morning dose of Jets Falcons, just gotta wait a little bit of time, and then after that, you will be ready to catch some a full slate of one o'clock games. Lions Vikings in Minnesota. Lions, one of two zero and four teams remaining in the league. The Vikings, not far behind them or in front of them, excuse me, at 1-3. and three. Kyle, do you like the Lions getting in the win column, or do the Vikings give themselves a bit of a boost here? I feel like the Vikings can definitely give themselves a boost. And another thing is, for Detroit, this is a big game for them because they're trying to avoid their first 0-5 start since 2015. So it's, this is a game that I'm sure that they've been thinking is very... Big. I'm sure Dan Campbell, the head coach, is making it very clear that this is a game that they have to show out in and that they have to get that first win on the season to move on. Yeah, and if you look at last week's game, they pretty much got dismantled by the Bears. But of a closer game than we probably think it was because two red zone turnovers. Those are the de- those will not help you win games at all. So I feel like the the Lions will look to correct that in this week. See, I'm going to go with, I believe, the Vikings here just because their defense was so good last week, despite their offense not really showing up that much. The Lions' defense has a lot of holes. I don't think they'll, they'll struggle as much as they did against the Browns' defense, and they're in Minnesota, so I really like Minnesota in that game. <coughs> game number three of the day, really I should say, the New Orleans Saints going to the nation's capital to take on the Washington football team. New Orleans... Blew a, blows a 10-point lead, I believe, in the last seven minutes of the game last week against the Giants. Losing overtime. Washington, again, had that shootout with the Falcons. Who do you like, Kyle? I feel like for New Orleans, they they have to move on from that. They have to put their last week with the Giants in the back of their mind. They were leading, and then obviously Daniel Jones and the Giants came back and won. And I feel like with Washington... I remember last year how their defense was so good on the field, and, and this year it's just completely shifted away from that. So I got New Orleans. Yeah, I like New Orleans too. I think they were pretty they were pretty embarrassed, I'd say, after the way their defense handled things. Jameis Winston did not play a poor game whatsoever, and Kamara was getting chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. So you obviously had the big the, the throw down the field to Saquon that hurt, hurt them, and then Daniel Jones was taking them down the field. Daniel Jones played a really, really solid game against them. And Washington, the secondary is weak. I think Winston's going to be able to take the deep shots he wants to take as well as get those screen pass opportunities to guys like Kamara and Deontay Harris. I think I like New Orleans in a rebound here. Patriots and Texans is our next game. We have the Texans who were 1-0 with Tyrod Taylor. This is the second straight year. Taylor has been a great week. Not great, but good, a good player week one. And then goes down with an injury for week two. And then you have the New England Patriots, who are one and three. However, they really gave Tom Brady and the Buccaneers a run for their money on Sunday Night Football last week. Kyle, do you like the Texans getting their second one of the year or the Patriots building off of last week's performance? Well, well this is these are two teams that are coming off of opposite they're, it's a, games last They're week. different ones and threes because— Yes, the, uh, different you, ones and threes. You have a fumble in the, in the red zone that killed the Patriots in week one. 
And then you have the Texans, who just have not been a really good team whatsoever. Again, for the the Patriots, are coming off of a slim 19-17 loss to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And you have the Texans, who are coming off of a 40-0 loss to the Buffalo Bills. Again, this is, as you said, there are two different one and threes. Personally, I'm going to go with the Patriots, Mac Jones. I'm, I'm sure Bill Belichick is happy with how the team performed so far this year. And against a, a Texans team coming off of a big loss last week, this is another game where they could just get the win, move up to two and three. They're, that's the thing with, like, with football early on, you could have like a you can still have like a an early start. Like a lot of these teams are one and three. Mm-hmm. If you win like two three weeks in a row, you're already back in the winners column, and you already you're still in the hunt for playoff picks. Right. And if you think about it, I think it's kind of criminal. As much as I don't think the Patriots are that good, and I don't love Mac Jones personally, these one and threes are so different, so different. The Texans got blown out forty to nothing last week, so I, they don't deserve that kind of comparison. I think we we both go with New England in this one. Have, have we agreed on every team since Jets Falcons? We have. You have Minnesota, right? <laughs> Min- Minnesota. Yes, I have Minnesota. All right, so we'll, we'll see if this trend continues. Next up, we got the Dolphins. A, a little bit of a Florida matchup here. Staying in state but going to Tampa Bay, they are taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dolphins one and three. I've had some quarterback problems with Tua getting hurt, Brissett not performing as well, and then obviously just not playing great defense as a whole against the Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who got they win, who barely squeaked out with the win. They could be two and two if you really think about it. They, they, they had that loss to the Rams, and then they were a Nick Folk field goal away from being taken to overtime. But it's Nick Folk it's taking Nick a Folk. field goal. So, right, Tom Brady has twelve career, career losses for, versus the Dolphins. And that is double the amount against any other opponent. So the next the next most he has is six. T- uh, which Florida team do you like here, Kyle? Tell me. I feel like with the Dolphins, ever since really, ever since Tua really went down, I, I feel like Jacoby. You can't have Jacoby Brissett as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Really? I, I don't really care with. I understand if your quarterback gets injured and you have him on your team as a backup, but he's he just isn't a guy that I would ever rely on with a season for at least for a full season. And I feel like the the Buccaneers defense this season has not been exactly where it has been or where it was last year because again coming into the offseason everyone on that defense stayed. So a lot of folks were looking up, and so far it really hasn't been shown. And I feel like this could be a game where that defense kind of gets back on track. Mm-hmm. So I got Tampa Bay. And obviously you have Tom Brady. Yes, at least for the defensive side, you don't have Antoine Winfield. I believe Rob Gronkowski is also still not playing. But again, with the offense, you have so many weapons for Tom Brady. you got Evans, you got Godwin, you got... Cameron Bright, the tight end, at least filling in. You also have running back. You got Ronald Jones Jr., Leonard Fournette. There's too many weapons on this Buccaneers team to not get the win this week. Yeah, I think Tampa Bay kind of is going to take that night game as a wake-up call. They're too good to go 3-2 and two here and, and lose to the Dolphins, and I think it would be pretty detrimental because if they lose this game, you can argue that they've really struggled the last few weeks, which is something they do not want to have to come to terms with. So we do continue on the trail with these with these same these same picks, but we're not done with the one o'clock slate of games yet. We got the Packers going to Ohio to face the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are three and one. These obviously started three and zero, did not win last week. They've also won three of their last four games against the Packers. Meanwhile, the Packers, after that brutal game against the Saints to start the year, that everybody questioning if they were legitimate. You have the Packers who have won their last three. Aaron Rodgers has been pretty, pretty good. And it looks like they're back to that superstar team status, should I say. So, Kyle, do you like Joe Burrow taking advantage of the veteran, or is Aaron Rodgers going to take care of business today? If you're looking at experience, obviously Aaron Rodgers is the guy you go with. And 
Also, for the Bengals, the 3-1 start for them is really impressive. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a big test for them coming into this year, just looking at the past schedule. They have they have wins over the Vikings, the Steelers, and the Jaguars. It's not necessarily the best trio of teams. Like Those, those are games where, yes, you win, but mm-hmm. you kind of expect it to and win almost. Going back on the Steelers, that's a team that I don't think is, is, is I think is on their level of talent. So... That that's a valid point, and I, I, I'm gonna have to back you up again. Look, I, I think the the Packers, I think there are teams that are better than them, but the Bengals are not one of them. And I, as much as we want to say they're better than they were last year, and they are, they're gonna win more games, and they're probably on the right trajectory here. They're just catching the pack the Packers at a time where they're not gonna be they're not gonna be able to win. They do that's phenomenal, but. I'm gonna stick with the Green Bay Packers with you on this one. Stick with the cheese heads. This. Oh, yeah. So this is one of the more controversial matchups I've seen. It is a, a one, another 1 o'clock game here. The Denver Broncos, who are 3-1. and one. Uh, Is Teddy Bridgewater playing? Do you know that? Or sure. T- Denver. Is, uh, I'm going to give that a look before we go into this because I need to make my pick accordingly. And this is also for for Denver. They've had wins over the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets. He is questionable for Sunday, concussion, he's quitting protocol. But, like, again, like I was mentioning for the Broncos, you're 3-1. You're and one, mm-hmm. But you're 3-1 and one against Urban Meyer's team and the Giants and the Jets. I, I wouldn't say, like, like it's still 3-1, and one, but it should be 3. Like, it has to be 3-1 and one at this case. And really for... The Steelers, they did have the, like, again, week one, they, they took down the Bills, but since then, they've just been yeah. handled by Vegas, the Raiders, Cincinnati, and, and Roth- Roth- Green Bay. Roethlisberger is 3-4 and four against the Broncos in the regular season in his career, has thrown a lot of interceptions, just does not look good. In regards of Denver's oppo- slate of opponents, I'm going to go with the Broncos here, Kyle. I don't like the Steelers' offense. I think they're incompetent. The Broncos' secondary has proved to be particularly good. Von Miller is back. I think this is the Broncos' game where they prove we're not going to be— as much as I don't think the Steelers are good, they aren't bottom-tier good. So this is where I think the the Broncos break out and say, we're better than you guys think we are. We're a better 3-1 team than than the league says, or fans say. So I'm going to have the Broncos. Now, if Ridgewater isn't playing— He's playing. He he is playing? playing? Okay. I was going to ask a question to— whether or not Drew Locke would have a great game today, but I guess that's not going to come to fruition. But, again, looking at the other, like, 1 o'clock games, I would... have we talked about Eagles-Panthers yet? Eagles-Panthers? Not quite yet. All right, let's go into it. Eagles-Panthers is actually the next game. Wait, who'd you pick, Broncos or Steelers? Uh, it was just Broncos. Broncos? All right, we'll stick with <laughs> an- This is such a weird... Such a weird streak we're going on right now. All right, yeah. So next game on our on this slate here happens to be Eagles Panthers. Eagles fighting to stay out of last place in the NFC East. They are currently tied with the Giants for the bottom at one and three. That could prob that will probably change today. They're facing a Panthers team that just experienced their first loss in a shootout in Dallas against the Cowboys. Panthers will not be getting Christian McCaffrey back. It looks like he, he was listed as doubtful. I think that's the right move with, with his injury history, and it seems like he was coming back pretty quickly for what the injury was. This is in Carolina. Kyle, do you like the Eagles or the Panthers? And, again, this is probably kind of a, a joke, but who needs Christian McCaffrey when you have NFL-leading touchdown rusher Sam Darnold yeah. on your team? No, he's been, he's been pretty impeccable. I, I feel like for Darnold... At least this season, uh, again, I'm going to pick Carolina. I know you're – I'm sure this is another agreeing pick. But Sam Darnold this year has really kind of grown into embodying that pick that he was near the top of the draft. And, again, I, I feel like he's showing, and I think I mentioned this in the previous week, that that he wasn't the problem – when he was with New York with yeah. the Jets. I think he was just wasn't provided with what he need, needed to, to succeed, and his coaching staff was poor. But I, I, I like the Panthers, and I'm sure you do as well, Kyle, here. Mm-hmm. Their defense has been really good. They just added Stephon Gilmore. Stephon, that's a—and they traded it for a six-round pick. If, if, why were the Giants offering a fifth? That's that's what I'm thinking <laughs> this, this whole time, but— 
Yeah. It is what it is. The Eagles were a team that wanted Gilmore, or their fans did at the very least, and you now they have to face him. So this will be a really fun game. Hopefully, as a Giants fan, the Eagles, the, the Panthers take care of business. But, yeah, so we, we'll stick with the same picks there. Final 1 o'clock game on our slate, we got the 0-4 Jacksonville Jaguars playing host to the Titans, who are really disappointed they're not 3-1 and because they just lost the Jets. I think the Titans rebound here, Kyle. Could we mutually agree on that one? Yes. A- after the whole Urban Meyer debacle, it- it's really— He's real- coaching, right? I believe he's, he's still there. He- he's still with the team. Wow. It- it's just— If you have Derek Curry in fantasy, in fantasy today— Start him. Enjoy. Enjoy. I feel like just after that, the whole media circus around that this week, it's going to be really hard for Jacksonville to shake that off of the win. Apparently, there's yeah, a lot of people involved in the situation are very upset, but it's not something we will go into great detail here. This is a sports uh, show. This is not a sports a, show. Yeah, Titans are a rebound game. I think they'll give that. They'll get that. This is a great time. This they, they, this is a great opportunity for them to go two and zero. Jaguars, Jets, and also AJ Brown's going to be back. AJ so. Brown will be back, so that's a big target. Impo- disappointing duo of games for them because they will not be finishing two and zero. But they have a chance to go one and one, and I believe they will do so today. Moving on to the four o'clock games, we got two four o fives, two four twenty fives, and then we got our two night games. That should give a, give us just about the amount of time we need before we conclude. And this is under review. Jeremy and Kyle edition. Ethan and Clay are out. Browns-Chargers. Browns are coming off a defensive showdown win, 14-7 to against the Vikings. The Chargers are coming off a win themselves, I believe, against Vegas. Do you like the Browns and their, and their defense here, Kyle, or do you think the Chargers prevail? I, I like the Browns. Again, the 3-1 and one start is where they, they really need to be. They Again, they made the playoffs last year. But I, I feel like for the Chargers, Justin Herbert, and that Chargers offense has really grown into their own. Austin Eckler also in the backfield. On the, on the wide receiver side, you still have Keenan Allen. I'm going to go with the Chargers. And again, they're playing in their home stadium. I, I believe the, the Chargers and the Rams just want to make sure they, they share SoFi, correct? Yeah, definitely. So uh, they're, they're at SoFi Stadium. They're going to be playing host to Mayfield and everyone else. And... I feel like when it, if it comes to the offensive matchups, and I know the Browns' defense is a big factor, I feel like Justin Herbert puts the Chargers to four and one start this year. Yeah, excuse me. I will back you here. Pick the Chargers. I was really thinking you were going to pick Cleveland. No, no, I'm sorry. Four and one on the I think is on is in the Chargers' future. Herbert seven and one in his last eight games. That one loss was that tough one against the Cowboys in Week Two, where again red zone turnover killed them. Well, we are sticking neck and neck here. Next up, Bears Raiders. 405 start. Bears are without David Montgomery. Justin Fields is the quarterback for the remainder of the year as long as he's healthy. I got Vegas in this one, though. I really like their offense. The Bears offense is really just, they don't have some sort of formula to it, which concerns me as yeah. the, for that team. I like the Raiders going to 4 1. Bears fall 2 to 3. 2 and 3, excuse me. I'm going with Vegas as well. I'm, I'm sure the listeners are just like, have some debate, please. On a, yeah, have some debate, uh, please, on a game. This is this is probably the longest streak I've had where I've. It, it, let's just, if this were a Bruce Beck camp and we had to do a PTI on football. It would not get that good of a shout, rating. Shout out Bruce Beck. Shout, shout out Bruce. Shout Beck. out to that camp in general, man. Yeah. Maybe we'll have him on one day. One day. Four, about four games left as my voice continues to crack. We got about seven minutes left in the show. We will make time. Cardinals, Niners at State Farm Stadium. Kyle, who you got? And, and this is an, another interesting matchup because you got the Cardinals coming in. They're 4-0. I'm really happy about them. You know, Kyler Murray, my, one of my starters in fantasy. And Trey Lance is starting for the 49ers. And that's actually another thing. We haven't really talked about the rookie quarterbacks. All five rookie quarterbacks are starting this week. So it's really, it's interesting to, to see that. I know, actually, I believe last week I was looking at an article where or I mentioned that when it comes to the collective start, that the rookie quarterbacks have not gotten off on the right foot. Yeah. We saw Trevor Lawrence really struggle to start the year. Zach Wilson as well. 
I won't. Who do you think is going to do the best out of the rookie quarterbacks? Out of the rookie quarterbacks. You got, you got Lance. You got, I feel like if you look at the environment that they're being put into, I would go with Mac Jones just because really, just because of the Patriots, the way with the, the check downs and whatnot. You got a high percentage of completed passes. And that's, again, and that's the thing with the rookie quarterback. If you're drafted into a good situation with surrounding talent, you can perform and people will see that, all right, you're, or people will sometimes look at you and look at that. Also, there are going to be people that are like, oh, you're just a quarterback. But again, if I had to choose just based off of the system alone and the talent around him, I'd go Mac Jones. All right. Interesting. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals here. I think the Cardinals go to 5 and 0 today. They're at home. The offense looks unstoppable. I just don't think Trey Lance, this is a great matchup for him to break in, break into. Sorry, if I'm, I was gonna I'm going Cardinals again. No, nope, no, nope, don't feel bad because we have a. Well, well what's the who is the the rookie quarterback that you think is gonna do the best? I'm gonna go with Trevor Lawrence today. Yay, we disagreed on something. All right, that's cool. I, I, I just think he has nothing to lose. He's just gonna let it fly and get some good stats for him. Giants, Cowboys. Final four o'clock slate of games. Dallas has won their last seven games of eight against the Giants. Seven, seven of the last eight against Giants, but the last that one of eight was in Week 17 of last year, where the Cowboys eliminated themselves from postseason contention. This is at AT&T Stadium. Kyle, I'm gonna pick the Giants. I'm gonna pick the Giants. And, and is there a little bit of bias there that I can't help potentially? But I really like the way the team looked in New Orleans last week. I think Daniel Jones is playing by far the best football he's played. Saquon Barkley is back to Saquon Barkley. Andrew Thomas is active. Give me the Giants. Just give me the Giants. So I was looking at this, and again, the Giants are coming off of a big game. Also, I, when I check the, the Giants-Cowboys thing on Google, first thing that comes up from ESPN, it's a source saying that Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper are expected to play. Yeah, the, the, I, I didn't expect them to be out. So I feel like for the Cowboys, with the start they go off, they are three and one. They have wins over the Eagles, wins over the Chargers, and, and Panthers. the Panthers. That was a big one for them. The only real loss was a slim one to the Buccaneers. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. All right, disagreement. I I understand that the Cowboys have looked really good. I think Trayvon Diggs is what five picks in four games. Trayvon Diggs, again, he's one of the with this with the performances he's had. He he's put himself into that. Discussion where he's one of the top yeah. corners. In the he, he has. I I don't know. I just really want to see the Giants win this game, and I think if they do, it will really turn their whole season around to where they can win the NFC East. But that still has to happen. If they lose it, they're in a bad spot. What are you going to do? All right, second to last game Sunday night tonight: Bills and the Chiefs in Kansas City and Arrowhead. The Chiefs have are, are the Chiefs, but their defense has looked really bad. We might have a disagreement here. I don't know. I have the Chiefs going to two and three, and I have the Bills winning on the road on Sunday Night Football. Josh Allen is looking really good. That defense looks stout. He's got a, they got a lot of weapons offensively, and the Chiefs' defense just gives up too many points. And this is a Bills offense that scores a lot of points. So I don't know if Mahomes will be able to outshoot Josh Allen here. I like the Bills. I feel like this game is going to be a shootout in general because you got two quarterbacks. You got Mahomes and you got Allen. They're both really good. And if we're looking at their last performances for Mahomes, at least, I feel like when it comes to this is also a rematch of the AFC Championship, something we didn't mention. And I feel like this this is just the the, the game where you expect Pat Mahomes to just go off to do these no-look passes to Tyree Kill, find Travis Kelsey for three scores. I feel like it's going to happen. It's just something where also with this this Chiefs team, they're 2-2. Two and two. They have to get back into that, right? They got to get back to where they were before they lost their offensive line to the Super Bowl. So you have the Chiefs. They got, they got to get back to the Kansas City Chiefs. So this football. is back-to-back disagreements we got here. Back-to-back disagreements. Yes, right. I'm going to go with Kansas City. Nice, nice. So final game, because we got to wrap up fairly soon here. Lamar Jackson against the Indianapolis Colts. Lamar Jackson, undefeated in the month of October. 
against the Colts, who just got their first win last week. What What do you like? Well, for if I had to choose, I'm going to go Baltimore. And really since that opening loss on the season to Las Vegas, they have they've really just shown again that this is I feel like for the Ravens, they're a team where during the regular season, they they always look good with Lamar Jackson and co. And really it's the playoffs when they kind of falter out. I, I feel very confident that Lamar Jackson's going to have another good game. He's going to go off. I'm going to go Baltimore here Monday Night Football. Yeah, I got to agree with you. I just think that Lamar's been proving haters wrong all season. And I think this is a Colts defense that has some holes. Especially, and then they look at the offensive side. They're missing their best O lineman. I think Carson Wentz is playing hurt. They, when, they, when is it, when is he not played hurt? It, yeah, it's a really good question. He, he that was his first win since in over a year, I believe. They said when he won last week, but I believe with it now being eight fifty seven, that'll just about do it. Kyle, any anything you got to say? This is the second edition of Jeremy and Kyle under review. I think we had a pretty good time. This I feel, again, I, I like the. When having to do this, it, it's a nice little back and forth. At least when it when it's four people, that one of the things that I, I love it because everyone's talking. I feel like having to share a mic is yeah. one of those things where you it's like a, you have to work on it. Yeah. So we have fall break on Sunday, so we will not have a show. But the Sunday after that, we are expected to have the full four man crew back in full force here at under review. Along with Kyle DeSantis, this has been Jeremy. I, I am Jeremy Goldstein. Thank you for tuning in for this past hour. The weekly pitch with Mike Memis, myself, and Parker Holland Donor coming up coming up next. It's important to make sure your family has a plan in case of an emergency. We talked to this family to see if each of them knew where to meet if they were not together when something happened. If a natural disaster happened and we were outside the home, we would all meet at the park. That's our meeting point. I meet places at our neighbor's house because she is my mom's good friend. We all have a meeting spot, which is a bus stop. Is your plan any better? To learn more about making an emergency plan for your family, go to ready.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter.